All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, we got two great guests for you guys. Then a wonderful post came for the members, tyt.com slash join to get that. And then at nine o'clock Eastern, I'm gonna be on uh, the top of the show for Cuomo primetime, taking on a Trump supporter on uh, Greenland and how deeply anti-Semitic Donald Trump is. That should be fiery. But let's get to our guest right now. Joining me now is Liz Winstead. She is the original co-creator of The Daily Show, head writer for The Daily Show as well, uh, and her, uh, She's also the founder of Abortion AF. Uh, Liz, welcome back to the Young Turks. Hey, it's so great to see you. Wonderful to see you, sister. How you been? I've been great. Although I'm just gonna be really clear that I have this Abortion AF shirt on that was not intention, and they go push the computer back. So I'm not trying to shill, but I do have a shirt on that says it. Oh, God bless, God bless. We, in <laughs> fact, we should put that up on shoptyt.com. Yeah, uh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Liz, AF usually stands for something. Is that what it stands for in this case? Uh, it stands for Access Front, um, but it could stand for AF too because it's sort of a double meaning. Um, we're trying to take the fight for abortion access and sort of change the landscape of what the front lines look like because so often the only time people think about fighting for abortion access is uh, when they think of protesters in front of the clinics. And what we're trying to do is sort of take fight to A, folks who are sort of passively pro-choice and haven't really been, you know, I would say active in reestablishing the narrative, understanding abortion as a human right, abortion as an economic right, um, and talking about what it means that basically, if you don't have control over your own reproductive destiny, um, you pretty much don't have control over any other parts of your life going forward. So sort of getting people to refocus that. And also to sort of take these anti-abortion zealots who forever have just been screaming in the streets and controlling the narrative and standing outside of their churches, standing outside of the places mm. that they go to worship and to disrupt what they're doing because no one's ever given them a taste of their own medicine. And we really feel like now's the time to shine a light on them. Damn it, Liz, you're so smart. <laughs> okay, I love that. I love that idea. Can I uh, add a suggestion on top? Uh, you oh. guys, you guys should print out um, the passages from Numbers in the Bible where God is pro-abortion and and yes. says that if a if a woman cheats on a man suspects her his wife of cheating on her, he should take her to a priest. He gives her a toxic potion, and if she did actually cheat, she miscarries and God aborts the baby. So I'd yeah. love for them to try to explain that while going to church. Well, you know, it's very interesting because if one in five pregnancies end in miscarriage, then technically um, this higher being is the number one person who provides the most abortions in the world. So that's sort of right out there. But also it's hilarious because they often, um, when we are taking them on, they, they've started calling us witches and tools of Satan. And they firmly believe that we are supporting abortion rights because we are taking um, everyone that goes in and has an abortion, we're taking all of the fetal remains and doing some kind of sacrifice to Satan. This is not a joke, they actually think that. So we started reading like um, quotes from Harry Potter and like Dothraki from the script of and the book of Game of Thrones. And they and they write on their Facebook pages like, see, this is the satanic language that they speak. And it's like, oh my God, read Harry Potter, honey. No, but Liz, I, I don't know what to do with this, and I, and I, the media <laughs> definitely doesn't know what to do with it because uh, if you say that 
fundamentalist Christians are lunatics. People get really hurt and offended. And you'll get banned from the media if you say things like that, which we kind of have. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the reality is, if you real genuinely believe that you guys are satanic and that Dothraki is Satan's language, etc., you're a lunatic. You're—I mean, there's something wrong with your brain. You don't—you don't, you don't <laughs> belong in the rational world. And so, how do you have a conversation with people who don't speak the same language of logic and reason as you? Well, I think what we're trying—I. I often don't try to have conversations with them because when that's your baseline, um, we're coming from very different baselines of civility. But what I am trying to do is for those people who have banned all of us, who have called out um, extremist fundamentalist Christians for what they are, and to show that not only are these folks um, completely um, damaging and destroying of the larger scope of humanity, um, these anti-abortion extremists are also anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ. And the folks that we're fighting against who lead with those bloody fetus sides that we've all seen, they were instrumental in helping craft the laws in, in Alabama, in Kentucky, in Ohio, you know, in Georgia. And so I want to have folks understand that these people aren't the extreme. These people are the mainstream um, logic pushers. Um, within elected officials now, and when you go into state legislatures, like we were, we were in Wisconsin protesting them as they were calling us all this stuff, and they were in lobbying state legislature legislators. They have regular meetings with uh, state statewide held up office holders in Alabama, in Kentucky, and so for us, it's like we need to do a reset to have people understand this isn't some weird fringe thing. These are the people crafting these laws that everyone's like, how did this happen? And it's like, it happened because A, people like us who want to actually call them out and expose for who they are have been told that, oh, you're going to offend Christians. Look, if you're a good Christian, you're not, you're actually calling these people out and you're fighting for the larger scope of what happens. Um, we go on tour every summer and now we do it throughout the year where we um, we do a couple of things. We do comedy and music shows in some of these hardest hit states that are just really hostile to abortion access. And then afterwards, we have a talk back with the providers and the local activists so that our audience can hear what's needed in that state. And it's a really great way for us to grow activist bases. And then we go help out at the clinic. We might like, if you're an abortion provider in oh, basically every state except Oregon, you can't get... Um, somebody to do your lawn, somebody to help do your plumbing because you provide abortion. So we go in and do that stuff for the clinics. And then we explain through these conversations to the audience, like, here's what they need. You need to step up. And I remember one dude being like, wait, are you telling me that activism means I get paid to be the landscaper for this clinic? And I was like, yeah, the activism is you park your van in front of the clinic and say, I support them being in my community. So it's pretty cool. But with these protesters outside of the clinics, every single time in the last 16 times, I've said to them, so here you are outside of a clinic uh, protesting some sort of ethereal concept that you might have about pregnancy. Um, are you ever protesting or trying to like stop children in cages and family separation? And they actually say, it's not my issue. So that just shows you <laughs> everything you need to know. It's not my issue. The families that actually exist are not my issue. This one that I've made up in my head 
is actually all I care about. So it's really just all about oppression and white supremacy. Well, I love that you're fighting back. Look, guys, aafront.org, aafront.org, because you got to get involved and and push back. Why are they the only ones who are active? Why aren't we calling out their hypocrisy? It doesn't get any more. They claim they're for small government. Are you kidding me? It's a government so large it's in your uterus. I know this is the whole thing. It's like, oh my god, and and the and the and the sort of bizarre focus on what somebody else is doing. Like, if you believe in a god that's like lives in the sky and that people are going to be judged, like, let me then be judged. Why don't you worry about your own salvation and let us all go about our lives? They don't uh, believe it, Liz. I've said this a thousand times. Uh, the fundamentalists of all the religions, Christianity, Islam, it doesn't matter. They don't they don't actually believe their religion because if they did, well, isn't Allah gonna take care of me anyway? Isn't God going to send me over to Satan to get roasted over an open fire for all eternity? Dude, <laughs> take you know, take a load off, go watch some football, God's got Seriously. it. <laughs> right? and the thing that's so bizarre is they will bring their children in 110 degree heat to stand all day outside of a clinic to save children. It's like your kids getting heat stroke. And they're like, we'll take your baby, give it up for adoption. I'm like, I don't wanna have a kid that ends up in your hands. This seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> That's awesome, aafront.org. Liz Winstead, you're an American hero. Thank you for joining us, appreciate so it. So great to see you again, Jenk. All right, good to see you. Okay, uh, guys, when we come back, Mike Skeagle's in studio. He's kicking ass in Texas. He's gonna beat a Republican. Uh, and, uh, and of course, the Democrats are trying to stop him. Okay, come right back, we'll tell you all about it. All right, back on the Young Turks. Joining me in studio is a great progressive candidate, Mike Siegel. He's running Texas 10th District. Mike, great to have you on the Young Turks. Hey, thanks so much for having me, it's wonderful to be here. Yeah, absolutely great to have you. Now, you ran against McCall last time around, he's a Republican incumbent. Uh, but he had won by 19 points before, so uh, obviously it was an unwinnable race. So he blew you out, right? No, we uh, we got it down to four percent by the end. You know, he was considered to be unbeatable. You know, McCall is one of the wealthiest members of Congress. He has over 300 million dollars at his disposal, and it's a gerrymandered map. But we did uh, everything a progressive candidate should do. We organized a thousand volunteers. We hit doors in every precinct, and we got it down to four percent. So that's an amazing result, uh, and. Looking at your background, you're an America Corps teacher. Okay, that's a third grade teacher. Then you represented women who were had suffered discrimination in the workplace and were whistleblowers. And then you represented immigrant families, firefighters, low income renters, and people who wanted gun regulation. You are, in a lot of ways, a Democratic voter's dream. And so, obviously, when you were running against McCall, the Democratic Party came to help you, right? Unfortunately, no, not yet. Um, you know, because of the perception that this race wasn't winnable, and because my FEC report didn't show enough cash in there, uh, they, they haven't bothered to help me yet. Um, and uh, and I don't. Do you take corporate bank money? No, not a dollar. Uh, so that's your problem. Okay. Uh, so if Democratic Party, if you don't take corporate bank money, they're like, hey, those are our buddies. What, what's going on here? So anyway, but look, to be fair to them, McCall had won by nineteen. They, it wasn't red to blue, it wasn't considered a close race last time around. They made a mistake because if they had supported you, four points is an easily overcomable margin. Like just a little bit of push 
could have put you over the top, especially in that last cycle. And you could have been a United States Congressman right now and they could have picked up an extra seat. But this time around, given that you're given an incredible run and you almost won with almost no resources, obviously the DCCC is backing you now, right? You know, I was definitely hoping for that when I decided to run again. You know, I was encouraged by a lot of my supporters to jump back in. And we got out there, we did what you're supposed to do, which is raise money early. I posted some good quarterly reports, but unfortunately, the national DC folks are still not on board. Okay, <laughs> now some outlets are reporting that in fact, the powers that be are recruiting candidates against you right now. Have you heard rumblings of that? No, it's certainly true. There's two people in the primary. Interestingly enough, they're both former donors to my campaign, both former uh -huh. supporters. And they don't say anything negative about me, but their main pitch seems to be they can raise more money than me. And one of the candidates, her treasurer is basically a mega, mega DCCC donor. And she seems to be getting a more favorable reception from those folks. But you almost beat them with less donor money. But they go, no, Oh, we figured out your success was based on donor money. What? That makes no sense, no logical sense. But it isn't about, it, it makes no logical sense if you wanna win the race. If you wanna enrich your lobbyist friend and your consultant friends, then it makes a lot more sense. Uh, so look, I already know in your case, but if I didn't know, I would have guessed that they're gonna send Emily's list after you. Because Emily's list is the front group for corporate Democrats. They pretend to be in favor of women, but they don't support progressive women almost at all. And all they do is support corporate, they find women who are pro corporations and big business in any district and then pour hundreds of thousands of dollars into their races. So is that happening in your race? Not yet, and I still hope to head that off to some extent. I mean, I will tell you that the grassroots activists, and many of these folks are women, are pissed off that that other folks are jumping in basically to take advantage of the opportunity I created. Because it was our campaign last cycle that laid the foundation for this district to be winnable. I mean, last cycle, the DCCC literally had 90 races before this one. And so now we're on the short list, top 10, top 20 races. And it's because of the hard work we did. You know, I quit my job, dedicated myself to this full time. And we went out and knocked doors in nine counties. And we made this possible. And so I think the grassroots folks, the precinct chairs, the folks running local Democratic clubs, they appreciate the work we did and they're loyal. But unfortunately, some of the segments of the donor class don't quite see it that way. Yeah, and you guys have to understand something. Ryan Grimm wrote about this in his book, We Got People. It's a great, great book that explains the history of the corporate Democrats versus progressives, but also the recent history, the last cycle. And sometimes the volunteers are as much as 90% women. Women power this movement. And and then uh, hilariously, the corporate Democrats were like, uh, the Justice Democrats, for example, uh, are are not sufficiently pro-women. Hmm, let me name you the four Just Democrats that won unexpectedly last time. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar. It's a curious charge to make against that group. But that they're brazen, they're brazen. They don't care what the reality is. They don't care who women actually support. They're like, you're either a corporate guy or you're not, okay? And that's what they care about. No, and I'm profoundly pro-choice, pro-labor. And it's, it really is disappointing when it comes down to it, that they don't value that kind of institution building work. 
Um, you know, when I met with their political director, who unfortunately has had to quit her job because of the purge at the DCCC at the start of this cycle, um, you know, she started asking me about who's your consultants, how much money can you raise in the first three months? And I said, well, I have a thousand volunteers. We're going to hit every door. And she said, well, field doesn't matter. Don't worry about field. If oh you, my God, that's so stupid. If you win the nomination, oh, that's so dumb. She said, if you win the nomination, we'll do it for you. And that <laughs> the <laughs> corporate Democrats are going to do field. They're going to do volunteers. Yeah, that's when I knew uh, we weren't quite having a meeting of the minds. Field doesn't matter. Okay, AOC won because of volunteers, because of field, because how great they were in knocking on doors. And how could they not learn that lesson? And I'm going against the richest man in Congress. You can't outspend him. You know, one thing McCall won't do is show up and meet the people. He hasn't held a public event in 11 years. He's really scared of, of answering any unscripted question. And so that's how we win, by going all the places he won't go. SiegelfortTexas.org, SiegelfortTexas.org. I wanna to get to why they're scared of you. And by the way, you gotta donate and volunteer. That's the only way progressives can win. That's our massive advantage. And Mike ran this people-powered campaign. That's why he almost beat McCall that, that of course, the establishment thought was invisible last time, and he's gonna put him away this time, okay? But actually, the harder challenge might be the primary where the corporate Democrats are coming for him, okay? So we gotta support our own. Uh, now, uh, you're against one of McCall's uh, recent uh, proposals, uh, and he did that actually. Uh, it would cr basically criminalize the Senate, as you've written in your op-eds, uh, with Cuellar, who is a corporate Democrat, uh, who Jessica Cisneros, a Justice Democrat, is running against. You should support Jessica Cuellar, it's the worst. So what does this bill do that, that's got you so worried about it? I mean, really at the core, it's a cynical taking advantage of the insecurity we feel right now. We're concerned about mass shootings, white supremacist terrorism. And so he and Cuellar have this bill that says we're gonna deal with domestic terrorism. But really what it does is it criminalizes property damage that occurs during a protest. That's the main thing it does. I mean, there's other aspects. But they just duplicate other aspects of criminal law. But what this would do is impose a 25-year sentence for property damage designed to influence a government policy. So if you think about it, I immediately thought of Standing Rock, right? If you were at Standing Rock and you participated in a protest where they put some glue in a, in a bulldozer, that would be a 25-year domestic terrorism act under this law. If you were at a Black Lives Matter protest and painted on a wall Black Lives Matter, you're trying to influence police policy, so that's terrorism, according to Rep. McCall. And you can go down the line, occupy all these actions. Even if you think of a union picket, right? If you have a picket line and the car tries to break through the picket line and you knock on the on the car windows or maybe you dent the hood, that's terrorism, according to Michael McCall. Well, I mean, we just had the Never Again Action, a wonderful Jewish progressive group that was out protesting detention centers and a truck ran them over. One guy broke his leg, several people in the hospital. And Lou Dobbs came out and said it was their fault for sitting on the road and that they banged on the truck. So the guy who ran them over might get away with his crimes of you know, assault with a deadly weapon. But they might be called terrorists for banging on his truck as he was running them over. And this is in the context of Donald Trump talking about Antifa which shouldn't be a bad word because opposing fascism, being anti-fascist is not a bad word. But he's demonizing these folks who are opposing you know, the Proud Boys in Portland. And he's really just setting up for mass arrests and prosecutions of people who are standing up for civil rights. And But now you've got the coal miners protesting down in Kentucky, okay? 
and they're blocking the property of the coal mine. It's about a million dollars in coal, and they're saying, hey, you owe us four and a half million dollars for the two weeks we already worked before you fired us. So sell that million dollars of coal and give it to us because you literally owe us, right? Well, they are blocking the train tracks, so that could be, you know, violation of this bill. And next thing you know, you coal miners who Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell pretended to be on the side of might get called terrorists because of your opponent in this race. No, this is like, a, was it Naomi Klein coined the term disaster capitalism? It's taking advantage of a crisis, kind of like the Patriot Act after 9-11, to slip in some legislation that sounds good if you only read the title, but don't read the fine print. And it's, it's a very dangerous law. Hopefully it'll be dead you know, on arrival at the House. Okay, by the way, again, Henry Cuellar, a so-called Democrat is part of that law, is pushing that bill with McCall the Republican, unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about other policies. Medicare for all, you're in favor of it? Yes. So obviously, Democratic Party supporting you because of that, right? No, the folks at the DTRIP have expressed concern about my policy preferences, including my support for Medicare for all and the Green New Deal. And I'm running strong on the Green New Deal. My congressional district, the Texas 10th, includes part of the Houston oil patch, folks who work in that industry. But we need to have these conversations even if it's not convenient. And what I've done is we've built a town hall of national experts next, national experts next month in Austin. And we're gonna talk about how do we implement the Green New Deal in the Texas 10th. You know, under the previous New Deal, there was a program in every congressional district. And here in Texas 10, we have a coal plant that needs to be shut down. It's literally killing people, giving kids lead poisoning, causing asthma. And there's folks in Austin, environmentalists who want to shut it down. And there's folks in the community that want to pay for a cleanup. So we could implement the Green New Deal in the Austin region and provide a national model. And so that's the kind of campaign I'm running. Siegelfortexas.org. Okay, I'm not playing. You got to support Mike here. He can easily win this race, but he's got to have your support to do it. So. Um, Mike, if you win, you become a congressman, okay? Now, the way that elitism works in Washington is congressmen are gods. And so all of a sudden, the dynamic flips. Hmm. Then you'd get to vote on who was DCCC leadership, and now you're in the building, right? So if you win the seat and you're Representative Siegel, how much will you fight for progressives within Congress? That's who I am. I mean, that's what I've been doing for 21 years, you know, as a teachers union organizer, movement civil rights lawyer. I mean, that I'm going to continue to be me. And so I am seeking the Congressional Progressive Caucus endorsement. I hope to join the squad and all these folks fighting for really strong structural progressive change. And I would love to be serving in the House under President Sanders or President Warren administration and really taking some major action to restructure our economy and accomplish something good for the people of this country. Look, you saw it here first on the Young Turks when we told you people like AOC and Talib and Omar, et cetera, could win. And if they won, they'd make a big difference. Let me ask you something, Did they make a big difference? Yeah. So now if Mike Siegel wins and he's the second wave of that cavalry, it's gonna make an even bigger difference. Then the momentum is completely swung in our direction. Siegelfortexas.org, Mike, go get him. Thanks so much, Cenk. All right, thank you so much. All right, everybody, you gotta support people that are running on small dollar donations and volunteers, go make that happen. Uh, we'll be right back with the postgame.